to define ghostwriting, I mean, ghostwriting has been around since forever. Uh, you know, if you look at one of the most seminal books for me is the autobiography of Malcolm X. It was written with, by Malcolm X with Alex Haley. So for a long time, ghostwriters were credited that way. It was a with, usually their name was on the cover. It still can be that way. Yeah. But um, these days, it's not always that way. So whenever kind of a big name in business or a celebrity of some kind um, writes a book, almost always they have a ghostwriter. Michelle Obama's book was written by a team of ghostwriters, obviously with her <laughs> participation. No. But um, but that's a good example, right? So we'll come back it, to that example. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. So uh, so it's just been happening forever, and but it's you know nobody really ever grows up to say, hey, I want to grow up to be a ghostwriter. Greetings, fellow scribes, and welcome back to the Writer Files. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed. I'll spare you the formalities this week because we're going to jump right into a special edition of the show we've traditionally called Writer Porn. So to kick off 2020, here we go. Adam Skolnick is a New York Times award-winning international journalist, author, returning serial pundit, and our own international correspondent. You can learn more about Adam and find his latest work at adamskolnick.com. And in this file, Adam and I discussed a definition of ghostwriting, how Adam got tapped to ghostwrite for author and endurance athlete David Goggins, why Goggins turned down a major book publishing deal and decided to self-publish with Adam still attached, the Joe Rogan effect for authors, how Adam made the decision to help write David's story and the unique research and drafting process that went into a bestseller. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published, and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Also, The Writer Files is now available on Alexa because Apple Podcasts are available on Alexa-enabled Amazon devices in the United States. Now all you have to do is say, Alexa, play the writer files on Apple Podcasts, and she'll probably grant your wish. Stay tuned. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. There's never been a better time to get serious about that book idea that's been rattling around in your head. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, deadlines, and step-by-step guidance while you write so that you can actually finish your book. Your book coach will give you the customized tools and blueprints to success that are so often lacking in the traditional publishing world. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill sets needed to become great book coaches themselves. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and master classes so that you can help other writers reach their goals. Just head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more info and to get a free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your own book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. All right. Does my does my mic still sound the same? You sound silky. Okay. Silky AF. <laughs> All right. We are back on the writer files, and I have to say that this is going to be an incredibly enlightening show 
for, for writers who are interested in this subject. Um, but yeah, we've traditionally called these uh, meetings with Adam Skolnick writer porn because we, we tend to cover a lot of ground. But this is a um, this is a really, really unique program because we're going to we're going to kind of take a look behind the curtain at, you know, this this ghostwriting process. But not only how <laughs> a writer um, becomes a ghostwriter, but but in addition to that, goes on to write a book for a celebrity from ideation to now uh, an indie title that was uh, really, I think, at the top of the charts for most of 2019. And again, we're going to just start off with um, a caveat that we had to get special permission, Adam and I, uh, from the incredible human and author, David Goggins, to share this story. So this is an exclusive with Adam, and it's no secret that the book was written by our good friend and uh, serial pundit, Bad Penny, Adam Skolnick. So Adam, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to rap with us about this uh, journey of yours. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. <laughs> that was a long-winded way of saying, I think we're really lucky to have Adam on. And um, yeah, again, a huge thank you to uh, Mr. Goggins, his spirit, generosity, and, and ethos. Um, do you say ethos or ethos? I say ethos, but I just generally assume I mispronounce most words. <laughs> Especially the Latin ones. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think the British pronounce it more like ethos and we yes. we, we tend to say ethos i say ethos, yeah. probably in yes. conversation i'm just trying to sound smarter than the normal um but yeah we're going to talk about from ideation um to you know how how adam you became um the writer uh for this fantastic book and um how it came to be that it was published through lion crest um then yes. on into even the experimental new media formats that you and and um, David have uh, published now as an audiobook slash podcast, which I didn't even know was a thing until I found found this uh, fantastic uh, audiobook. So yeah, we're gonna Spoil take a spoiler alert. I got lucky. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a glimpse behind the camouflage curtain, uh, so to speak. Oh, I like that. I like what you did there. Okay, cool. So the title of the book, just to kind of key you in on on the the secret here is. Uh, can't hurt me. Master your mind and defy the odds by author David Goggins. And you know it. It it's built as sharing his incredible life story and again, kind of how he came to these fantastic realizations about you know kind of harnessing the powers of the human mind and and you know let's let's talk a little bit about eight. But before we talk about um, kind of what you've been up to recently, just kind of who who, who David is and why this story is so unique. Yeah, I mean, when you kind of go through David's life story and you tick off all the things, you know, from from the beginning to to his accomplishments more recently, it, it sounds impressive. Uh, I think the, what what makes his story so unique and attractive to people and um, is almost like the in between stuff. But just hearing his basics, um, he grew up in an abusive household. Um, he and his mother had uh, uh, basically run away from his abusive father when he was uh, just in first grade. In the end, he ended up in Indiana in a small town 
not far from where the national headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan is today. He endured all manner of bullying and racism, and um, he had learning disorder and and kind of made his way through school, kind of just scraping by and uh, ended up in the Air Force. But you know, within a few years, four years, he was out of the Air Force. And by the time he was 24 years old, he was working the graveyard shift as an exterminator, uh, 100 pounds overweight and uh, feeling like a complete failure. And he came home from from the shift, from the graveyard shift and was watching some Discovery Channel type show about the Navy SEALs. And uh, he he saw them and he's like, God, those guys are the antithesis of what I've become. And he started just, you know, with basically kind of with very little hope, started calling around recruiters trying to see if he still could become a SEAL. Mm-hmm. And when they heard how big he was, most of them just laughed him off the phone. But he found one guy who gave him a shot and he ended up dropping 100 pounds in three months, um, becoming a Navy SEAL. But to, in order to become the Navy SEAL, he had to go through hell week three times, which never happens. He ends right. up becoming a SEAL, becoming an Army Ranger, training to become a Delta Force soldier, um, ends up having a great career in Special Forces, and along the way also becomes uh, a champion ultramarathoner, sets the record (laughs) for pull-ups in a 24-hour period, the world record. Um, So it's an incredible story of someone who is down and out, who basically should have been a statistic, one of the titles is called I Should Have Been a Statistic, who, who makes something of himself. But like I said, all that sounds interesting. But what makes it riveting is just the way he tells the story, you know, how, how real it is even today for him, um, everything he survived. And, um, and he's just a magnificent storyteller. And it's, the story itself is, uh, you know, Rocky Balboa stuff, but in real life. So, yeah, uh, yeah so it caught fire. And he, you know, the, the, it's just it's just because it was a, was a runaway hit. And uh, and it's also incredible because he walked away from a major publisher and was told that he wasn't going to sell it barely any copies and he ends up selling probably more maybe than he would have if he went through a a major publisher so it's pretty incredible that's right so so cliffhanger um we'll come back to that fascinating (laughs) development so we're gonna go back in time um before we get to goggins and how you all came together let's go back in time so the last time we spoke because adam's a recurring guest he's been on multiple times we did um 21 Productivity Hacks from 21 Prolific Writers. And of course, I'll link to that show. And that was a good two-parter. We went went through all 21, um, a lot of different uh, cool productivity things. And it's interesting that um, that kind of came back up in the audiobook as I was listening to you and David talk about... Um, you know, the cult of busyness and, and we've talked yeah. a lot about that. And that that's something that he talks about a lot, which is really mm. interesting. So, you know, because yeah. as we were talking about kind of how how prolific writers beat entropy daily, you know, how these how these monumentally successful authors do it, 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 it occurred to me that a lot of what you all are talking about is very similar to kind of the mindset of these like incredibly successful people. Yeah, well, I mean, mindset is really where he excels. And, and I think why people love it is because he's able to deliver information in a way that's even more understandable than maybe somebody who has been talking about these things for years and years and years, um, in a more traditional kind of academic approach. Um, he has a way of making it real, you know, just because he he backs it up with his own personal stories. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I think he he delivers information you might have heard in before, but in a, a really fresh way. I think that's why people like it. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, we'll talk about the book more um, kind of as we get closer to that piece. So the yeah. last time we spoke was, was, you know, summer of 2018. And so you were working yeah. on the book, but you couldn't talk about it. We didn't have permission. You were in the midst of, you know, edits and, and the back and forth, um, yeah. you know, doing the writing and researching piece. So it was interesting because, um, of course, we didn't, you know, you didn't know and I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. But so what happens is, going all the way back to how you found yourself in that position. Yeah. Um, yeah let's talk about this very unique opportunity because, sure. you know, maybe if we could define what, what ghostwriting is, maybe for listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with this concept or even this profession, how you became a ghostwriter and then on to sure. how you, uh, of course, you know, uh, joined forces with this amazing, amazing person. You know, as a ghostwriter, Adam's obviously a pro at writing in other people's voices. And I just wanted to pause here to mention that this episode is brought to you by Words Matter by Wix. I wrote a great piece on their Words Matter blog titled How We Built the Wix Brand Voice that explores this very concept in detail. It dives into the challenges and solutions of creating your own brand voice, and the Wix writing team lays out principles and guidelines that their 120 plus writers use to create compelling content every day. Whether you're an author, blogger, pro content creator, or entrepreneur, you'll find this very useful article, many more on the Words Matter blog. Just head over to wix.com slash words matter slash blog. And I'll also link to that piece I mentioned in the show notes. You'll find information about exclusive writing workshops and a whole lot more at Words Matter. Explore their site to find all the resources you need to become a better writer. It's all over on wix.com slash words matter slash blog. Let's dig back in. Sure. Okay. So um, to define ghostwriting, I mean, ghostwriting has been around since forever. Uh, you know, it, if you look at one of the most seminal books for me is the autobiography of Malcolm X. It was written with, by Malcolm X with Alex Haley. So for a long time, ghostwriters were credited that way. It was a with, usually their name was on the cover. It still can be that way. Yeah. But um, these days, it's not always that way. So whenever kind of a big name in business or a celebrity of some kind um, writes a book, almost always they have a ghostwriter. Michelle Obama's book was written by a team of ghostwriters, obviously with her <laughs> participation. No. But um, but that's a good example, right? So we'll come back it, to that example. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh, so it's just been happening forever, and but it's you know nobody really ever grows up to say, hey, I want to grow up to be a ghostwriter. Although there's people who've had successful careers doing it. It's like I said, it's been it's been in the business since I think publishing began. I'm sure. Sure, sure. Um, it can be a very lucrative career for yeah. some writers. Yeah. And for me, it was my agent, Bird Level, um, was bringing up opportunities. He had just moved to UTA uh, from a small firm. You know, he was a partner. And, uh, and he's, you know, one of the attractive things he said to me was, I could get you some ghostwriting deals. And, and, and I, at first, I was like, kind of hesitant. It wasn't something that I was really that interested in. And, um, but then he said something like, you know, well, I've got a guy who's making a quarter of a million dollars a year doing this. Does that right. sound okay? And I was <laughs> like, at the time it sounded great since I was basically going broke. So, so I, I was open to it at that point. 
my wife was really open to it. She she liked <laughs> she liked that. Um, and so uh, anyway, fast forward to he brings up you know this opportunity with David Goggins. He'd met David, and he put me together with David. Now David, I'd heard him. Um, on a podcast with Rich Roll, mm-hmm. uh, on the Rich Roll podcast, and which is was kind of a seminal interview. It's still Rich's number one downloaded podcast of all time. Yeah, it's a riveting interview. I sure. highly recommend it. Oh, and, and for listeners who might not be familiar with Rich Roll, uh, he has recently been called the Oprah of endurance sports. sports right? Yes, yes. And so he's he's got this big brand, and of course, uh, David was an ultra marathoner. And so they knew each other that way. You've also been on that show, correct? I have. Yeah. 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 Rich has become a friend and, um, he's, he's tremendous in his own right. Anyway. So that podcast, I'h listened to that podcast, uh, many months before, uh, bird suggested David and I would, uh, you know, I'd already kind of adopted, you know, Goggins it. It became this something in my lexicon. Got to Goggins it when you didn't want to do something or you're feeling tired or you had to keep going when you didn't want to, you got a Goggins it. That was something that hmm. uh, April and I would talk to each other about. So it was already kind of in our brains. So I knew David's story in broad strokes. Um, and so that, you know, we had a couple of conversations and uh, he decided to contract me to write a book proposal for him with the, with the option going forward, a mutual option to write the book if everything was going well. So we wrote a book proposal and you know, for readers who aren't familiar, a lot of nonfiction books are sold to publishers in proposal form, which are kind of like annotated outlines. They're like 30 to 50 page documents. I mean, they could be less even these days, but uh, around that 30 to 50 pages, they might have a sample chapter. They might just have chapter outlines, bios, kind of what, what the marketplace might be for the book, kind of basically making an argument. It's like a business plan for a book. And, uh, and so we did that, went out to publishers. He got, a, he got several offers, um, settled on one with Harper One. It looked like we were going to go that way. And then um, at the last minute, kind of not the last minute, but before he signed the contract, um, I think the contract had come in and he was considering it. And he, he didn't want to sell his story. He felt like he wanted to own his story, um, you know, kind of it he was always going along with the book process because that was the process everyone does to get their books sold. Um, but, but he, uh, you know, he was having second thoughts because mm-hmm. his story means so much to him. Um, you know, he'd been telling it on a variety of podcasts ever since Rich's podcast broke. He right. went through other podcasts and then eventually ended up on the Joe Rogan podcast, which blew up mm-hmm. like crazy blew his name up right and, so we'll, we'll uh, just say the joe rogan effect the joe um, rogan effect is real i mean when i met him well when i spoke with him on the phone for the first time he was like eighty-five thousand followers on instagram which is still quite a bit by the time uh the joe rogan podcast effect had had completely taken hold he was about six hundred thousand. so that really blew his name up Anyway, he would, but, but what made him want to walk away from Harper One was just ownership, um, which is his thing. You know, he wanted to own it. He wanted to own his book. And he, he always told me, I'd, I don't care if I sell five copies as long as we get to do my story the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was warned. He was warned by everyone, agents, publishers, whoever, that he was making the wrong decision. He was even warned by me. <laughs> I suggested <laughs> 
I let the record show. I told him uh, that I would take the book deal, that I wouldn't want to come out of pocket to publish a book. But he'd, you know, he decided that he was ready to do that. So, um, and then he did something for me that no one has ever done before in this entire business. He paid me what I would have made on the Harper deal. He paid me my fee upfront, hundred percent upfront. Wow. And, uh, you know, because that showed incredible faith in me, but also, you know, obviously I was involved. I had already said I was in on the project no matter what, because once you get to know David's story, um, it's, you know, it's not a story that comes around every day. You know, as a writer, you're looking for the best stories you can tell. I mean, there's no, there's no better story than his story. I've I've never had one. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was like a gift to be able to meet David and to be involved. So, but the fact that he would do that, and that was just one uh, gesture of generosity that kind of cascaded over my entire uh, relationship while while spending time working with him. Uh, but it was a really great show of faith. And so from there, we just kind of went to, went to work and um, and, yeah. and did the hard work getting his story on on the page. Let's talk. Let's talk about the incredible amount of research and and all these interviews that you did for the book. I understand. You know, you went to. The Buds compound, right? And maybe for listeners who aren't I familiar, I did. give us a little bit of background on that and what would that what that was like. I mean, because I'm sure that not a lot of people have done that. Yeah, Buds. Uh, Buds is the what you have to go through. It's the school, Navy Se- Navy Seal School. So that's in Coronado, and that's where the basic training and basically it's basic training for seals, but includes all, all sorts of different skill sets and includes Hell Week. That's where Hell Week happens. So that was kind of halfway through the research or maybe towards the, towards the end of the research. But um, one of the people from his, one of his early platoons was running buds at that, t- at that time. And so his, his dive partner, I think from his first platoon uh, had turned into to running buds. And so we'd interviewed him and he invited me down to take a look. You know, and I, I kind of treated it like I would treat any uh, story that I'm working on. I obviously want to get on the ground and see as much of, of uh, a place as possible, see Coronado. Again, with my own eyes, I'd been there before, but I hadn't been there since working on this story or in this book. Uh, so I did that, kind of toured Coronado a little bit, saw the kind of the Navy SEAL bar everyone goes to after they graduate, saw saw everything there was to see at, at the Bud's compound, um, and it really did help inform it. But, you know, most of the research was done via phone interviews with David and with everybody that was in his story. And David was involved in every one of those interviews. So I'd, I'd talk, David set up the appointments and then we'd call in together hmm, and, cool. um, and then we would interview together. Yeah. Yeah. And were you, um, were you recording those? I was recording some of them. Um, early on, I was recording everything, but then I stopped. So in some cases, I, I recorded, but most cases, uh, I got to the point where, you know, early on, you, you want to record because you're just not, your fingers aren't in quite enough shape and your mm-hmm. mind isn't in shape to make sure you're getting everything. But once you start doing these day after day after day, um, you know, the good thing about writing a book is you don't have to necessarily get every word down right. You just have to get most of it, in, you know, and, and obviously, if there's a quote that you want, you want to get all of that. Uh, but but I uh, so early on, we were recording them. But after a while, I just started to take notes and let him go. And he was it was almost like being on like a one man show, uh, because when David tells his story, he goes 
he feels it and he goes back into his mind. He prepares to tell yeah. you the story. And then it becomes like a person on stage giving a one man show. And, and so you can feel, you know, he gets paid pretty well to go and speak publicly at different events. Right. Um, and he's been telling his story in some fashion since he was in the Navy SEALs. So it's something he's been training to do um, in his own way. And so it was really remarkable to be able to sit on the phone for three or four hours. And, and obviously I would probe and I would, I would kind of guide the conversation, uh, but to be able to get the detail we need, but it was kind of, it was very much a collaborative effort and, and he was, um, and the way he told the story was so riveting and his, his goglish, as he would say, his English, um, it was so <laughs> great. You're able yeah. to capture his voice. And so because I was able to listen to him for hours and hours, um, after the first couple chapters, it, me writing in his voice became second nature to me. It was always, it was always there. I could always tap into it to some level, but he, you know, he, he remarked that's kind of when he knew he, he, that's why he wanted me on the project. Cause he knew I could capture his voice. And, um, and I was able to do that because I was, because we spent so much time on the phone and then also interviewing people. He was in Navy SEAL training with people, friends from childhood, his mother, his brother, um, you know, the, the, the person that started, launched and, and still runs Badwater, uh, the ultra marathon race, those mm -hmm. kinds of people. Yeah. Was that Kostman? Yeah. yeah. Chris Kostman. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, funny, funny. Okay. So you're doing hours and hours of, of phone interviews and then, mm. and then you, and then you're tasked with, with writing the book in full. Um, yep. and I, from what I understand, you were tapping Mr. Goggins quite a bit just to, you know, just to make sure that all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. And what was that process like? So the writing process was, it was, um, it was different because, you know, when you're writing on your own process, you might go through a whole book, write a first draft, then go back through. That's how I did one breath. But with this book, you know, we did chapter by chapter. So I'd file yeah. each chapter, one chapter at a time. And I think we, yeah, so we we filed one chapter at a time, and so starting with the first chapter all, all the way up. Although I might have written the third chapter first, I'm, I'm having because originally Harper wanted the third chapter to they didn't want it chronological, but David mm -hmm. and I both did. Anyway, I'd file one chapter at a time, and that way we could kind of go over it. He'd have fixes, and then we'd move to the next chapter. But uh, so that's how we would do it. I think that we interviewed wherever the interviews came up, but when it was time to write, that's what I was doing one chapter at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he, uh, I know he talked about you on Joe Rogan. Were you actually at the, on the second, with him? the second occasion? Yeah, the, yeah. 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 It was kind of funny cause he, he said you were yeah. a bug up his yes. ass or something. Right. Like, something so, similar. so yeah. So, um, <laughs> so Originally, he'd come back with comments, and then towards the end of the project, um, we were going over like the fine tooth comb stuff. Um, I find my, I, I did, you know, he was kind of getting annoyed with me because I was kind of defending territory because it kind of like I felt like it was, you know, I was like arguing to keep stuff in that he might want to change slightly or vice versa. Um, but you know, you, what I've what I came to realize is that uh, over over time, I've come to realize this is that you know, you at first when you're a young writer, you kind of fight for all this territory, but really, things can change. And the if the overall project is so solid and so good, um, a little change here or there doesn't affect it. Um, but still, sometimes I get a little bit 
tunnel vision. And so I think he was talking about, about yeah. my resistance because <laughs> he would get annoyed with it. Funny, but, you funny. know, that's just part of the process. And, and you know, uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for this half of the Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm, where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. And thank you.